Well, we are already in 2023. Um, I feel like I just got used to writing 2022, and now we're already actually almost out of January, almost February. It's crazy. But for the last 21 days, we've been doing the time of prayer and fasting, um, and uh, I, I think it's been a good thing for me. Um, you know, God has definitely, in this time, shown me some areas that he can grow me in uh, and, and stretch me in, and I hope for you guys as well that it has been um, a good thing. And I want to encourage you guys tonight, um, before I even get started, just tonight we are having the night of worship at 5 o'clock, so um, we're just going to have a time where you guys, we, we can share testimonies, we can pray, um, we can just sing songs together and worship God. So um, if you can make it, uh, please try and do so. Um, but yeah, so like Pastor said, um, over the past couple weeks we've been talking about the spiritual survival kit, right? So um, we were talking about all the, these kind of essential things that we need to survive spiritually. That's why it's called that. But um, So we, he talked about things like fasting, things like prayer, um, uh, the Word, and then last week was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these are all essential things for surviving, growing, and thriving, and, and to have that relationship with Jesus. So I'm not sure who all, or if you guys really remember, but back in high school, um, before we had these like big football games, they would have an event called a pep rally. Did you guys remember pep rallies? Yeah, sort of. Two people, both of you remember. <laughs> um, no, but I remember it was kind of uh, a big thing. We would have these, these pep rallies and you know, back in, Stephanie, she did cheer. Yeah, that's my cheer. Like that, exactly, I nailed it. I also was a cheer person. No, I'm just kidding. No, but um, I remember back when we lived in Texas at the time, it's a little town, Giddings, Texas, but our football team, they were undefeated. They were going to the state semifinals. Uh, everyone was, we had this pep rally, and everyone was cheering super, like, wildly for the team, everyone like, oh, blah, 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 whatever their name was, is introduced, and like, everyone's like, yeah, and like, so cheering for each player introduced, we, you know, people had little signs made, and you know, they were wearing black and gold, that was the colors for the school, so everyone was decked out in that, and had face paint, and you know, I was a freshman at the time, and I know you can't tell now, but at the time, I wasn't super athletic, um, <laughs> Obviously, now you guys would think, wow, he was, he's an athlete, but um, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't an athlete. You know, I didn't really care if they won or lost. Like, it was like, whatever. Um, but the energy was, like, so electric. So there was, like, so much energy. People were amped up for this game that, like, even the most apathetic of people cared about this. Like, they're like yeah, go football, like, go team. Um, they don't know the words, but, you know, go kick that goal. Um, but no, everyone was excited, and, and after the pep rally, no one walked away, and they were like, they were like, oh, you know, I wish I was, I just wish we stayed in class and did homework, you know. I, no one was saying, like, oh, that event was a dud, it was boring, because everyone knew the purpose of the pep rally. Right? And it's not for the crowd, it's for the players. Right? The, the event, it was successful not because there was a good performance. They didn't play football during the prep. That would be interesting inside. Like a, uh, but they didn't do anything. There was one person, I, one girl she sang, and it was very interesting. Um, it, not a great performance. But uh, the players, they gave, they gave some speeches. And for the most part, football players aren't really great speakers. It wasn't, it's not, well, I just say it. It's high school football players. Come on, don't expect a lot. <laughs> Dak Prescott, yeah. Talking about him. No, uh, but it, it wasn't because of a, a, a great performance. It was, we knew why we were there, right? It's to honor the team, to show that we supported them, we're behind them. So why did you come to church today? Our primary reason for coming to church should be to honor God, Amen. right? To worship God, to show him that, that we, how much we appreciate him. Psalms 95.6 says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen. Worship, it's more than just singing a few songs, 
performing a few rituals and hearing a sermon, right? We come to experience the presence of God, to acknowledge his authority over our lives and to worship him as our creator. We come to pledge our faith and our, be- our obedience and seek to his honor. And even though I think this is kind of an obvious statement, like why do you come to church? But I, I think it's kind of a big missing ingredient in a lot of people's lives today. One of my closest friends in Chico, um, when we had first kind of started getting to know each other, I went to his house. It was like the week that I met him. Um, but we kind of went over, I went over and then we were hanging out. And then he was like, um, he's like, oh, hey, can I, can I make us dinner? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I, I eat dinner. Um, you know, so, uh, so he went to the kitchen and he started making dinner. And, I, you know, I learned a couple things that day. The first thing I learned... Um, was that he's not very good at cooking. <laughs> so it was, it was a very, it was an interesting dinner. But uh, he, I also learned that he loved to cook dessert. And, you know, it's actually still his favorite thing to cook is cheesecake. Um, so he's always like, oh, I made a cheesecake. And it's like, oh, awesome. Like, sounds good. Um, but I remember smelling it cooking and like, oh, it smelled really good. It looked really good. And, you know, he put it, we put it in the fridge and then we were still, we hung out a little while later, but then, anyway, pulled it out, and then I remember I took that first bite, and I learned another thing was that he forgot to put sugar in this cheesecake, so it was like a sour cake. Um, I I learned another thing was that I did not want to have another bite of this cheesecake, (laughs) but but here's why I tell this story, is, is that if we don't concern ourselves with, you know, all of the ingredients, the important ingredients of actually entering in making a connection with God and worshiping, we're missing kind of the whole point. We're, we're, we're missing a big ingredient in that, right? Psalms 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So today we're going to be adding another tool to our little survival kit. We're going to be adding worship. We're going to be talking about worship. So um, Pastor Colleen and I are going to be uh, teaching. I'm just doing this first portion. I'm going to be talking about what is worship. And, you know, I think for the most part, whenever we hear worship, we think of, you know, what we, what we just did, right? The singing portion of service. I mean, it's called, it is called praise and worship. Um, I mean, the team's called the worship team. We're having a night tonight with singing and music, and it's called a worship night. So, I mean, obviously, you think worship, music, right? Um, but worship means to attribute worth to something. So when we worship God, we give God his proper value. We, we give God honor. The Hebrew word for worship is shaha, and it means to bow down, to acknowledge God's sovereignty, his authority over us. The Greek word for worship, it means to kiss toward something. Uh, it's the same word that's used for like a dog licking the hand of its master. It's showing that like proper respect. So worship in the right sense is our submission of all of our nature to God. So singing can be a great example of worship, right? And I want to say that whenever we do, whenever we sing, we need to be purposeful in our worship because I don't know about you, but sometimes we can be singing without really engaging, without worshiping. Because worship isn't it's not a spectator sport, right? You can't and, and you shouldn't, you know, just sit there. You know, I'm just, I'm going to watch, right? It's like that guy who visited the liturgical service and a man fell dead of a heart attack. He said the ushers carried out five people before they got the right one. Um, <laughs> joke. Uh, but no, you shouldn't just be sitting there. You shouldn't be, you know, still and and possibly mistaken for a dead person, right? We are called to stand up. We're called to lift up our hands. Scripture says, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. We should be excited for Jesus, right? There's a, there's a reason during the service that we lower the lights, that we give verbal cues. It's not for us. It's not to have this little checkbox or to have like a modern looking service, but it's to help remove distractions and create an atmosphere where people can worship and they can, they can find freedom as we sing to the only one who's worthy of our song. Right? 
But worship, it, it's more than a song. It's more than just music and, and singing. And I do believe that, that music plays a huge part in our expression of worship, but it's not it. Right? I mean, look at, a, look at our church service, how we kind of arrange it. The offering time is worship, right? It's participating in worship. You're giving of yourself. Listening to preaching is participating in worship. I feel like something spiritual happens when the word of God is taught, when it's spoken. The song at the closing of service, the invitation to prayer, it's all an act of worship, right? And closing, it's, it's not just a time to gather up your things and, you know, get ready to go or decide where you're going to go have lunch. Um, it's a time where people can make life-changing decisions. It's a time to, to you know, pr- pray, sing, reflect on what we heard. Um, and I want to challenge you guys with that. But the most important thing and the most important point in worship is what we do when we leave. Right? If we have a deep-felt worship experience, oh, God, I'm sold out for you. You know, if we have that here, but then we go out in the parking lot and, and you curse at someone or, or you go home and abuse your family, maybe you exploit people at your workplace, you, maybe you're selfish or, or you're greedy or you're manipulative, then you dishonor God. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The best worship, it, it's living in obedience when we leave. We shouldn't stay the same when we really worship the king, right? I was... Uh, doing a little research for the sermon and came across this story from Dr. Paul Eshleman. He was the director of the Jesus Film Project. Has anyone heard of the Jesus Film Project? It was like a film that came out, I think the 70s, late 70s. Uh, But it's now been translated in over 2,000 languages. So people can all over the world can hear it in their native language. But they, they have showed, I think it said on their website, something like over 5 billion times People have watched this film, but they've showed millions and millions of people this film all around the world. But the director, Paul, he uh, talks about this time that they were showing this film in a, in a refugee camp in Mozambique on the southeast coast of Africa. These people had been displaced by war and kind of put in this camp. But um, these people, as they were watching the film, although most of them had never heard the gospel, as they watched it, they fell in love with Jesus. When he was arrested and beaten and led away to be crucified, they began to weep and wail, and many rushed toward the screen. The townspeople were on their knees. They were weeping, and they were confessing their sins loudly, making it basically impossible to finish the film, so the projector was turned off. The film crew members and the counselors, they relayed how that they would, they would try to approach some of the people to pray for them. But as they got close, they, the presence of God was so heavy and that they couldn't help but just fall on their knees themselves and confess their sins and glorified God. One of them said, The sense of God's presence, His power, and His holiness was so great that no one could do anything but confess sins. Paul said that eventually... After more than 30 minutes of this, the Jesus Film crew turned the movie back on so that people could know the end of the story. And, and we know how this story ends, right? But they didn't. It does not end with death on the cross, right? But in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when these townspeople saw how the story ended, Eshleman said they exploded as if a dam had burst open. Everyone began cheering and dancing and hugging one another and jumping up and down. And when the invitation was given for people to accept Christ, nearly everyone in the crowd wanted to respond. That following Sunday, it said 500 new believers showed up at that little 40-member church. When we worship worship God, our lives should not stay the same. Our lives should be changed, right? We're showing that He is worthy, that He is worth praising. We're all worshiping something, but what are you worshiping? I want to challenge you guys. Look at your life, and, and, and you'll see, you know, what are you giving your time to? What are you giving all of your attention? What, where, where does your, your money, your focus, where does that go? Psalms 40, 
Verse 3 says, He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They, <clears throat> they enter the mystery, and here it is, abandoning themselves to God. Real worship, according to the word here, is abandoning ourselves to God, where we lay it all down. So the question isn't, are we a worshiper? Because obviously everybody is a worshiper, right? We were created that way. The scripture says, uh, doesn't it say that every tongue will confess? Every single, that's what, Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And Timothy just taught us that bow is worship. Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. So it's not a question of, am I a worshiper? You're worshiping. What are you worshiping? That's the question. Yeah. So are you, what are you worshiping? Because worship should be an expression of our love. Yeah. Where, and how do you evaluate that? Where does your money go? Timothy pointed that out. Where does your money go? Where does your time go? Where does your investments go? How do you focus? What do you adore? Because worship really is about the one we adore. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we adore God. We give him the glory. And it's not, and yes, it is through song. Sometimes we sing. And, And I believe what, John Wesley said, if you sing good, if you have a nice voice, who thinks they have kind of, you know, my voice is okay. Come on, raise your hand. This is an American Idol. I'm not doing, I'm just asking you. Yeah, so he says, sing louder. Now, who, how many of you in here uh, couldn't carry a tune if you had it in a pill? <laughs> and just, you can sing, but just sing a little softer. Yeah, just sing louder. You don't want to throw people off. You know, my, my son back there, he can sing happy birthday and get the melody, a whole different melody. It's not happy birthday. <laughs> Joshua, Joshua. Uh, but so worship isn't, isn't just about singing. It's about, like Timothy said, clapping our hands, shouting, waving. Come on, let's wave. Let's start on this side. Woo! Come on, back over. Woo! Oh, the football games didn't begin that. The Hebrews started that. That's a wave offering. Wave into the Lord. Woo! Clap your hands, shout. Dance. Give thanksgiving. Give him thanks. There's thanksgiving offerings. There's, there's uh, offerings, love offerings. We used to do that. We say, y'all remember? You love somebody, so you give them a little love with the cash. You guys, Christmas happened, and I'm sure maybe somebody gave you a little love. If they didn't, you never know. People give Kneeling. These are always. Worship is first time you see it in the scriptures is in Genesis. When God tells Abraham, take, I mean, God, yeah, God take, okay, God takes Abraham, and he tells him to take his only son, the, the one that he's prayed for, the one that he loves, take this dear son that you have, and lay it at the altar. That's the first time we see scripture. When, when Abraham leaves the servant, he says, the son, my son and I will go and we're going to worship. That's the first time. And we know that when you see in the scriptures that the law of the first mention is really important. So a lot of times when you see something first mentioned, you kind of hang on to that because it's so important. What's the lesson? God was asking Abraham to lay down the most valuable thing. That was worship. Not that Abraham was going to go up on Mount Moriah. Lord, I lift your name on. He wasn't doing that. He was sacrificing his son. His only son. That's what God is. Now we know the story. Or maybe you don't. It's found in Genesis. So let me encourage you. 
Open that scripture up. You know, this is the way we can worship the Lord too. Letting the word get into us. So he, God provides a ram and they make that. But can I tell you, I think God, that God says that to all of us. What do you love the most? Will you give it to me? Will you give that priceless thing, that thing that you love? Is it family? Is it your career? What do you value the most? The Lord isn't egotistical. He doesn't need our praise. He knows that it's for us. Worship acknowledges God is great and we are lesser. We are needy. He is able to provide. We are defenseless. He is a powerful. We're the lost ones. And he is the one that can save us. That's what worship does. Yeah. Timothy began that Psalms, but I, it's a short Psalm. Can we read it together? Psalms 100. It says this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. With glad. Come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all Listen. It stints, it might have, that worship might have started with Abraham, but here we are, 2023. Worship is still, God is still worthy. He is still worthy. He is still the worthy one to be adored and loved. David said this in Psalm 34. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us Exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. When we magnify something, what happens? It gets bigger. I've been to some of y'all's houses. You have those big old magnifying things that you lay on so you can read. Listen, you make it bigger. Does God need us to make him bigger? No, he's big, he's mighty, he's powerful. But our direction needs to be turned. So when we turn our direction to him, that is the magnification. A pastor in Wordfield, England, Wordfield, Wordfield, he found himself in a growing, thriving church. So many young people, people getting saved, The music on the stage was vibrant. I mean, woo! And it was cutting edge. But the pastor said he noticed some things. He said, I looked and and the people just weren't engaged. They were kind of coming and they were getting entertained. Had lights and the music and we had everything. And pastor came in and he said, you know what? For the next few weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pack up the sound system. We're going to take all the music, mu- instruments away. We're going to turn down the lights. And the only thing I want you to do is I want you to come and bring your Bible. And I want you to ask God what you can bring for worship. Well, you can imagine that the congregation was like, what? And they did that. They packed it up. In that, in that church, a young man named Matt Redman at was in that church, and he was the worship leader. And he said, I went, really? Now I'm, I don't even have a job. My job was to lead. And now I don't have a guitar. I don't have a microphone. I don't have a PA system. I don't have anything going on. He said, I, the first week was very awkward because we just didn't know what was happening. But as the weeks began to go progress, each and every week was a little different. People would begin to engage They weren't relying on the things on the stage. They were just relying on seeking the heart of God to focus their adoration to him. Matt said, I penned these words not knowing that it would be a worship song that is sung all around the world. But he penned these words because it was what was ringing true in his own life. 
And we'll like to sing this. And maybe you've heard this song. It goes like this. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within to the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that true? Worship changes our perspective. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about three things really quickly that change during worship. If you will focus your adoration on the one who is really worthy, and you will really give your whole, all that you have. The, The psalmist says, let all that is within me bless his holy name. All that I have. It may not be much. My goodness, sometimes I look at myself and I think, God, that's not much, but I give it to you. Because I know my my weaknesses. Do you know your weaknesses? (laughs) We don't need anybody to point them out. We're pretty good at pointing them out, don't we? We know our weaknesses. But the Lord is so good. Look at Asaph in Psalm 73 he began to look, it, it, it's a wonderful psalm, but Asaph was looking around at things. He was looking at people who were not serving God, the wicked. And he was looking at them and getting very frustrated. He, matter of fact, he says, I looked at him and my, I felt like my feet might slip away from you, Lord. He's looking at these wicked people, and it doesn't seem like anything's really going bad in their life. He's serving God, and they're not getting punished. They're not getting punished. It's a trial for me. Their life looks like cookies and cream, and I face a trial at every turn. In verse 4 through 9, he begins to describe and say, these wicked, they don't seem to suffer. They don't struggle. They don't face consequences for their actions. They don't seem like they're ever hungry. They, they mock the righteous. He's frustrated. Can you, can you sense his frustration? I, it, it's like I, I've seen people, I've seen people like politicians and different people, and they almost mock God, don't they? You've seen it. If, if there's really a God, let him strike me dead. I've heard them say that to me. Not, and when they do that, I'm like, okay, <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case. But Asaph finds himself in this quandrum where he's just like, I don't, I'm looking and God, this is, this is not right. He's asking all the wise. You might have asked those. Verse 17, he says, and then I went into your sanctuary, Lord. And I finally understood the destiny. He went into the place of worship. The sanctuary in the Old Testament times was the place of worship. He went into that place of worship in the sanctuary. And then he says, truly, 
you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliffs to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And when you arise, O Lord, you'll laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. And when I realize, look at this, this is Asaph. So who's had his focus, even finding his heart wanting to drift away from the Lord, he says this, and then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. And yet I still belong to you. You hold me in your right hand. And you guide me with your counsel. You're leading me to a glorious destiny. Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. And so instead of focusing on all the things that that is going on in their life. Look at what Asaph says here in verse 26. He says, My health, it may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He's my forever. You see, when you change your focus, you change your perspective. When your focus isn't on the things around, your perspective changes. I think if Asaph was here, he might sing. I think he might sing this. our perspective when I focus my eyes on him everything else seems so minuscule worship also changes the atmosphere can you sense the presence of the Lord here there's a shift in the atmosphere ever been in a room with a grumpy person you guys know the people I'm talking about they walk in with an agenda They stand on you. I've, I've been in church services with you. Uh, excuse me, you're in my chair? I sit there. My family sits there. Can you, can you scoot over? They're grumpy. They're grumpy. They wake up grumpy. They spend the day grumpy. They think about grumpy thoughts. <laughs> They're just grumpy. Have you ever been around grumpy people? They change that. They suck the life out of the room. They walk in and it's like... <laughs> All the joy has now been sucked out of the room. I call them joy suckers. They will suck the joy out of it. They will suck the joy out of you if you run around with them. That's why the script, I, I, there's a other context, but, but I do think bad company corrupts good character. And I add, I add grumpiness on that. I know that scripture's talking about uh, sexually pure, but I'll, I'll give grumpy too. Listen, grumpy people can change the atmosphere because it's all about them. I'm not happy today. I don't like what happened to me today. I don't like the way this is. I don't... Get over yourself. 
If you find yourself a being a grumpy person, get over you. G-O-I. You guys know? Get, get over it. Build a bridge. Cry a river. Build a bridge. Get over it. Get over it. But worship will change the atmosphere. Focusing on the Lord. Giving Him the honor. And you can do that because it opens the doors for God. It allows, it's saying, God, I want you to move into this atmosphere. I want your presence to change things. Worship, worship allows God to heal. Paul, Acts 16 tells about Paul and Silas, and they were out ministering, and they head up to Philippi, the scripture tells us, and they found the area of Philippi has no synagogues. And so that's often where Paul would minister. Uh, there's no synagogue. So Jewish tradition says you go by the river or a waterway, and that's where the believers would gather. So scripture tells us in in chapter 15 that Paul and Silas head to the river. They end up meeting these godly women, and God-fearing women who are preaching, and they share Christ. Uh, one of the women named Lydia gets saved, and, and Lydia... Uh, comes to know him but in that same area in that same region uh, a a young woman who has a demonic spirit in her who has this because of this demonic spirit she is able to foresee things that have happened they call her a fortune teller she's a slave girl she is owned she begins to follow around because that demonic spirit recognizes the spirit of Christ in Paul. And she's declaring, these men are from the most high. These men are from the most high. Listen, and you think, well, that sounds nice. No, it was a demonic spirit kind of mocking. It's kind of antagonizing and provoking. It's a spirit. Paul, he is amazing. I read, read him sometime, I'm like, whoa. Because I'm thinking, she does that one time with me. One more time. If I hear you say that one more time when I'm speaking. (laughs) But no, we we don't know how long, but it says after several days, Paul rebukes that spirit, commands it to come out, and she's free. You'd think, hallelujah. Not her owners. They've lost, she now no longer has this demonic power to tell, tell the fortune. So they have the magistrate arrest Paul and Silas, beat them. And you've got to know Roman floggings, we see it when we see Jesus. And many of you guys have seen the passion or these things. And you might think, well, that's just reserved for Jesus. No, this was a flogging that happened. The Roman people did that. So they beat Paul. And many theologians say that these beatings often broke every single rib Paul is when he's beaten he is him and Silas are beaten bones shattered in his back blood this is not a light thing that many believe that this was probably the most severe beating that he's received they're then shackled and thrown into the inner cell an area that's uh, supposed to be for the worst of the worst no windows no provision and here he is with Silas and him beaten to the pulp and they're in this inner cell and the scripture says about midnight how many of you guys have ever been about midnight when all hope seems lost when you could just sit in your pity party and say that's it Lord I tried to do the right thing and look at what's happening But the scripture says that's not what Paul and Silas do. Here they are dripping with blood. I know I I don't think I'm that spiritual. My goodness, I think I would be like, Lord, you know what I did for you? I believe that's not Paul. Paul says, you know what, Silas? Let's worship. Let's sing. I don't know what their song was. But I know it in a battered body, they allowed praise to come forth. And the scripture says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Look at that. 
You know, a lot of times when we get in our bad situations, we can just want to pull away from everybody and isolate. But look at what they did. The other prisoners were listening to him. They were saying it so loud, other people could hear. And look, other people were hearing. Your life matters. How you praise and adore the Lord, people are listening. Their ears are attentive to what's going on. Are you going to praise God when this is really, really bad? Life is really stinky right now. Are you going to give God praise? The non-believer is watching you. They're watching me. And they're saying, are you going to reflect Jesus? Because I'm not in the Word of God. But I'm watching you to see if you are a reflection of the Word of God. The scripture goes on and says in verse 26, Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains were loose. The atmosphere changed. A horrible place comes a place of freedom for everybody. Everybody that's in there is free. Your worship changes the atmosphere. It can be midnight. It can seem horrible. I worked as a, a cashier in a, re, in a restaurant, in a grocery store in my little town of Nashville. I had felt like God had called me back after I went to Bible college for a little while. So I was in between. I hadn't graduated college. I, I just felt like God I want, wanted me to re- bring some restoration. And I go, okay. I go back to this hometown and... Uh, and I thought in my, script, my head, well, Jesus, in your hometown, people don't like you. And so they're not going to like me a whole lot. I end up getting a, a job as a cashier at a little store, two stores in the town, Piggly Wiggly. And, I, and I had Charlie's Thriftway. And so I worked at Charlie's Thriftway. And I'm, I'm a little cashier. And, and I'm like, I'm going to just give you God, praise. Psalms 34, 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. So I'm doing my little cashier thing. And the owner of the store would come out and he'd kind of just be really snipping. He'd say, Colleen, I need you to go do this. Okay. I'd go do that. And when I do that, I'd go take out trash, you know, go, go empty all the trash for the store. And um, so I'd go do that and and I'd be singing praise. I'd just be singing, Lord, I worship you. I honor you. I want my life to be a reflection. I just want to honor you, Lord. I don't have much. Man, I'm struggling here, God. I got a, clunk. I got a hoopty car that is breaking down every time. I mean, you could see, you could see the road when I would drive because the rust. And I just give God glory. And time and time again, he would give me, he'd say, you need to do this. You need to do that. And you know, my flesh wanted to be like, that's not my job. But I didn't. I did my job. I did it to the best of my ability. And I tried to show honor. And I would be stocking those shelves sometimes. And I would just be singing quietly. You know, you don't want, I mean, stores have music. I thought, I'll sing my praise. And so I'm singing my praise. Pretty soon, cash, uh, little busboys and all, they'd go, can we, can we be on your aisle? Why would you want to be on my aisle? I like, I like to, it feels different over here. It feels different. I'd say, well, come on, get on my little aisle. So, you know, you're, you're doing all the things. And it began to change. And on my, the, that little aisle, many times stocking shelves, uh, some of you guys know this and some of you don't. Um, when I was in the 10th grade, I dropped out of high school. And so then the Lord had, I went to college and the Lord had called me back. But when I, before I had quit school, I was not the nicest girl on the block. Matter of fact, from elementary uh, in Arkansas at the time, if you disobeyed, you got uh, you had to go to the principal and you got paddled at board. Boop. And, um, and so I would go there almost every day because me and this one young man specifically would get in fist fights every single day. 
His name was Squeaky. And I would say, come on, Squeaky. And he'd be like, every morning, come on. We're fighting. It'll go, go, principal. Well, Colleen, why are you here? Well, so I'm on this aisle. I was known through that community as the kid that had a chip on her shoulder, waiting for somebody to touch it. I'm not a little wimpy girl. I'm ready. My mama, my mama said, said, you don't let nobody take you down and I'm going to do it. Well, listen, I got on that aisle and people would see me and they'd go, Colleen? And I was, I'd find myself over and over going, y'all wake up. Um, no, I, would, I would find myself going, oh no, inside. I didn't do this outside. In, oh no, they, they remember me. <laughs> And they go, what happened to you? And I would get to tell them about Jesus on my little aisle, putting my canned goods up. And over the months that I was working there, I got to tell almost every single person that I got, went to high school with, even Squeaky. <laughs> he came by one day and he said, Colleen? And I'm like, squeaky? And I'm thinking, oh, it's fighting time. <laughs> no, I got to share. Squeaky, I'm not the same person anymore. I got Jesus in my life. He's transformed me. I used to hate people. He's given me a love for people because he put my, his love in me. He transformed me because I worshiped. I committed that aisle to him. I committed that store, whether that owner knew it or not. I was there. And so that was the place of worship. And can I tell you, the Lord wants us to change our atmospheres wherever you work. You don't have to be blatant and be screaming hallelujah, but you can change the atmosphere. Your key. 
When you give him glory and worship, your worship is a weapon. Lucifer was a worshiper in heaven. The scripture tells us that he had chords. He had percussion. He had breath. He breathed praise. But one day he wanted to exalt himself above God. There wasn't a war in heaven. God cast him out. Jesus says in Luke 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It wasn't a war that God had to contend. Immediately there was victory because there is nobody above God. Can I tell you, worship. Satan does not want you to worship because he knows it's a powerful thing. Because he was a worship leader. Do you know who the worship leader now is? It's, 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 he didn't create a different worship leader. He put it in you and I. And we have percussion. We have wind. Hallelujah! We have stringed instruments. Well, maybe not. Uh, listen, Chronicles tells us there was a great battle Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, faces an army. Certain, he's surrounded. He doesn't know what to do. They be call a fast. Verse 18 says, Jehoshaphat bows down with his face to the ground. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship the Lord. Amen. Then some of the Levites and the, the Etherites, they all stood up, all those ites, and they praised the Lord in a loud voice. The scripture goes on to say that the spirit of the Lord came on a, a man. And if you look at the genealogy, it goes back to Asaph. Do you guys remember Asaph from Psalm 78 that I referred to? It goes back to Asaph. I think, I think the Holy Spirit was welcome because this man, man, he had heard your great, 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 great grandfather was discouraged and down. And then he fo focused in on God and everything changed. And so the spirit of God was welcome and it changed. And the spirit of God tells them, you're going to have great victory. Go to the battle. You're not even going to have to fight. Jehoshaphat, the next day they arise and Jehoshaphat does something crazy. He puts those worship leaders. He tells the guitarist, hey, we're going to a big battle. We don't, the Lord said we're going to win. Get, go ahead and get in the front, guys. All you singers. Hey, Timothy, you get in the front. Stephanie, you guys get in the front. We're going to be right behind you. <laughs> you guys praise the Lord. Give God glory. We're going into battle. Can you imagine that? What kind of battle plan is this? This is a crazy battle plan. They do it. They do it. And you know what? That reminds me. Listen, I have struggled with discouragement and even at times depression in my own life. And I remember as a young woman just calling out and, and in my life in the natural things were just not going good. I was having to live with a family. They weren't even my own. My family didn't want to re have restored relationships. My car's breaking down. Just everything in the natural looked bad. You guys could get the picture, right? And I'm just sitting there in my, my sadness. And the Lord said to me, Colleen, put on the garment of praise. This is what I feel in my spirit. And I, and I feel it in my spirit because I know his word and I read his word. And so his word's able to come out yeah. in those times. 
And so I put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I am having a pity party, Lord. I don't want to have a praise party. It says, you, can, you said you will bless the Lord at all times. So I stood up and I began to just thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for, I thank you, for you. I can't thank you for the good things happening in my life because I don't see them right now. But I thank you. And I felt like the Lord said, you, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Yeah. All right. Ron, I give you glory, Lord. I got a little dancing. I don't feel like dancing. Nothing in me wants to do the boogie-oogie. <laughs> okay. Lord, I give you praise. I give you honor. You know what? Guess what despair happened to despair? Guess what happened to sadness? Began to break off of me. Began to shed off of me. Just like, just like rags coming off. That heaviness. That yoke. All that stuff that just wanted to consume my ma- mind. That wasn't important. Jesus is important. God, you're good. You're faithful. You're faithful. My car is a, thank you, God, for my ugly old, it was an army green uh, Subaru station wagon, and at times spit off its wheels. <laughs> I kid you not. I'd be driving down the road, and all of a sudden I'd see a wheel go boing, and that was mine. Ah! <laughs> thank you, God, for my hoopty. Thank you, God. I got a car. I could get somewhere eventually. I get there. Thank you, Lord. I got clothes. Mom, I, I was staying with this family because my mom and daddy told me to get out of the house. And they told me, go live in your car. Well, you live in a car. You don't smell so pretty. So, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I got this family. They don't like me much, but they let me in. <laughs> oh, well. Thank you, Lord. See, I began. You know what? I was surrounded. I was surrounded like Jehoshaphat. But despair didn't have a hold on me because I gave him praise. Timothy, you know what? You're sitting down. I know I interrupted your praise. But you know what? We have choice, don't we? We have choice. God's not a possessor. Woo! I feel him. Woo! He doesn't do that. You choose to give him glory. Sometimes his power does do that to me when I yield to it. But he doesn't possess me, control me like some pup. He says, you choose, Colleen. You, will you yield to me? Will you give? So today, will you yield to him? Come on. Maybe you had a little bit of spare. Maybe you were a little sad. It's time to get up. Maybe move that foot. You know what? I'm going to confuse the devil like crazy because he thinks I should be sad right now. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is my strength. (laughs) I'm not going to be downcast. Oh, I know what the doctor report says. Who cares? I believe your report. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how I The table to prepare. Thank for you, me. Lord. The presence of my enemy. It's your body and your love you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. If you overcome. And I will lift my song of praise for all you've This is how I fight my battle. 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 This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. This is love. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. Oh, come on, church, lift your voice. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. One more time. Oh, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. This is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I raise a hallelujah. We do. I'll raise a hallelujah to you. I'll raise a Oh, come on, I know you can. Sing a little 
Give the Lord a big hand clap. Hey, listen, this is not over. We need to learn to to practice and to to worship because it really is powerful. Amen? Amen. See, some churches like to sing. Some people like to worship. Amen. How many of you know we are worshipers here? Amen. So listen, we are going to go ahead and dismiss this for now, but...